everyone. Welcome to the Five Beer Plan. I'm Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman's ale trail. In this episode, I'll go brew hopping on business trips, wrap up my chat with Nick Lavelle from Brewery Nicks in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and review Burn Bright from Patron Saints Brewery in Toledo, Ohio. In this segment of Tales from the Trail, we're taking it on the road and talking about business trips. I've mentioned it in previous episodes that I've been very fortunate to be able to travel quite a bit pre-COVID for business both nationally and internationally. The first thing I like to do when I find out I'm traveling is find out where I'm going to be going to and what kind of venues might exist. You can use Untapped or simply use your internet search engine and search for breweries in the city you're traveling to. Balance this out with where you're representing your company because first and foremost, this is the reason that you're traveling. If you have any input as to where your lodging might be, you can always choose to find an affordable hotel within walking distance of the hotspots in the area that you identify. I say affordable because you don't want to book yourself a room at the Ritz-Carlton and later on expect to be reimbursed. Be smart and please don't take advantage. If you're like me, this can help maximize the number of places you could drop in for a pint or a few tasters. Transportation is also very important. If you have your own vehicle or a rental car, this makes it even better as long as you play it smart. Having the ability to drive into a centralized hotspot of venues can sometimes be quite nice. If this isn't an option, you can always hire a Lyft or Uber for a reasonable price. And with airports, you can often find a few craft options at the bars or restaurants there. If you happen to find yourself in an area that is devoid of craft breweries, you can often find bottle shops around where you can find singles to take back to your hotel or back home with you. Ask your hotel front desk and even do a quick search for bottle shops to see what you can find. And finally, and most importantly, don't overdo it, especially if it's just an overnight trip. Make sure that you get back to your hotel with plenty of time to unwind and prepare for the next day's meetings so that you may represent yourself and the company you work for well. Good luck! This week's hop hack is a method I use for keeping track of past and future stops I want to make. Google Maps! I had a former coworker who turned me on to this a number of years ago. I was always kind of anti-Google at the time, so I resisted having anything in the cloud. Wow, how things have changed. I can't imagine life without it. So clearly, I now have a Google account, as do 99% of the population. Using Google Maps, when someone tells me a place I should go, I'll find it in the app and then select the saved option. There's also a field for notes. So for example, if my Beerski Logan told me about a cool place, I'd mark it and label it with his recommendation. Once I finally visit it, I personally use three options, starred, favorites, or have been. For these places that I'll return to, I'll mark them as a favorite and maybe even add a note about the beer or the food choices. For places I've been to, I'll just simply use the have been. For miscellaneous spots that are not necessarily breweries or bars, I'll use the starred feature. And the other nice thing is that with locations that are tagged, you can easily look them up and share them with your friends. Now, when you look at a map of the United States, this gives you a really good idea of where you've been, and better yet, where the next flight maneuver might take you on your rail trail. Now it's time for Barstool Banter. This week, it's a gluten-free wrap as I finish my conversation with Nick Lavelle from Brewery Nicks in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Listen in 
as we start the conversation off talking about how large their system is there at the brewery. It's a 10 barrel system. Okay. We're knocking out about nine and a half barrels per turn. So each batch is about nine and a half barrels. And then with the taproom exclusives, I try to break that in half and do something funky with half of it and something more straightforward. If nobody's had an Oktoberfest before, I want them to have access to that beer. But I don't really need nine and a half barrels of an Oktoberfest. So like, what do I want to do with the other half? Let's do something fun. I've been doing that kind of playing around lately. Of course, you know, brewing is all about chemistry. So I know that changing temperature of your mash, you know, degree or here up or down can make a huge difference in, in, in how quickly and how well it, it actually does what you want it to do. Do you find that there's a, a lower, higher boiling temp you have to have with this alternative grain bill as opposed to the traditional? Yeah, the mash is just completely different than okay. a traditional mash. You can kind of make it very similar to something like a... Uh, like a German brew house is typically going to mash in wet at like a hundred and whatever degrees and raise in temperature up to 175 and then move over into a lauder ton and run off. And yeah. uh, you can kind of get close to that with this grain, but inevitably you're going to be sitting for longer amounts of time. The enzymes are slower. There's less of them. If you don't want to just pour a, uh, a gallon of enzymes into your mash, you need to basically play with that time and temperature until you get it just right so i don't want to give away all my secrets but yeah no. there's a lot of playing with that to, to go on and that's got to be i mean it's got to be fun but it's got to be frustrating at times too i'm yelling at it like i've been doing this longer than you why are you doing this to me convert 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 so i i know that you've got some local distribution of your beer do you have your own canning line or you just contract that with somebody else We have our own. We have a micro canner. It's a company uh, just north of Grand Rapids. It's a mobile canning line. I'm dialing it in still. Uh, We've had quite a few really good runs with it lately. And, you know, I'm used to packaging lines and conveyor systems that move at a million miles a minute. And here I am filling three cans at a time and just trying (laughs) to make sure each can is the same. I like the simplicity and the beauty of the can art. It's recognizable, but subtle at the same time. That's all Jessica. She she got a mind for a lot of the cool marketing stuff and is meticulous about it. I really appreciate all the hard work that she and our other team members, Luke and DJ, have put into things. I assume that you've got some core beers then that you distribute, such as the lager and the Dippa. Uh, are there other beers that you have that you distribute locally? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you a little industry secret that we're working with right now, which is that the lager is actually going to be replaced by our Blondale uh, in stores eventually here. And then we'll see if we get a lot of demand for the lager, like if a lot of people message us, we'll make it available again. But right now we're so young in the brewery that we're trying to decide what those core brands are going to be, if they're going to stay what they are, and if we can play with that. But the lager, the double IPA, and the stout were what we launched with. And now we're looking at the blonde, and it has a counterpart that is like a salted lime. I'm in love with that beer, and I'm planning on bringing it back every summer. I kind of want it to be a summer beer. I don't really think I want to have it 
brewed year round. And, you know, every big brewery has their calendar that they'll put up on Instagram or whatever every right. year at the beginning of the year to say what their brands are going to be. And we're in a position where we don't have to be locked into that yet. It's a fun time to be experimenting. We are going to be doing the stout for sure, and then possibly some variants of that. And then there's always going to be weird stuff available at the tap room. We've got eight taps going. Since we've got, you know, eight different beers on tap, we've got the mango, scotch bonnet, pepper, mango, bonnie, red ale on. And then most recently, we needed a lot more red ale kegs just in general. We blew through them. And since I had to make more anyway, I was like, well, I kind of want to play around with this and do my version of the mango bonnie, which is um, I am a spicy food connoisseur. I grow ghost peppers and I love super hot foods. So I brewed a very spicy version of it. We only made 10 cases of it. It's going to be in and out of the tap room. And that kind of fun stuff is kind of what I live for. But I'm <laughs> I'm well aware that I'm going to end up brewing, you know, like the Blonde Ale three times a month. And it's right. going to end up being, there's going to be some beers that need to just be consistently brewed all the time. Like the double IPA is great. If we put another IPA on shelves, you know, the next big IPA is just going to be another IPA. The trend in the brewing industry for a very long time now. So like there are some of those core brands that we just need to latch onto and run with. But I like playing. I like having the weird science aspect of it as well. That's nice. My father and my, my brother were there a couple of weeks ago. They were giving me a play-by-play of the different beers that were there at the brewery. And I, I was pretty jealous, to be honest. Dad, uh, he brought home a four-pack of the salted lime. And then uh, he also brought back some of your honey buckwheat here. So I want to, I want to, I want to crack open this honey buckwheat. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about the beer and uh, the style and with the gluten-free world, one of the main ingredients that I've access to is buckwheat and it's got a lot of the same chemical components as wheat. It's not as high yield. And Mm -hmm. so the same things that buckwheat was used for at the turn of the century, now everybody just uses traditional wheat for And I thought, well, if this is so similar in flavor to a regular wheat, why don't I use some of these components to try to make a gluten-free wheat beer, essentially? I mean, it's something that I've always been interested in. Seven or eight years ago, I started working down at Bell's. They obviously, Oberon is a wheat beer, an American wheat beer. Before that, when I was at the brew pub, the hideout, I did a whole wheat series for the summer where I would do a lemon wheat and I did two other variations. And essentially, I just wanted to kind of explore those flavors with this because I found out that we have access to a gluten-free yeast that is typically used to make Hefeweizens. Okay. And so this is a play on that. And then it also has, you know, a little over a pound per barrel of honey in it. Not just boost the gravity, also add some honey flavor, some residual flavor to it. Sure, sure. No, I like that a lot. It didn't really occur to me, you know, buckwheat you know, wheat. It's definitely got that nice cloudiness that a wheat beer gives you, you know, with that yeast, it's got that nice heffy nose on it. And then uh, indeed at the end, it's got just a little bit of honey sweetness, but not so much that it burns you all the way down. This one's nice. It's nice and balanced. 
Thank you. I have a friend who runs a meadery here in town, and I didn't want to move into that category with this yeah. beer. I definitely yep. have made and and probably will make beers that move into that direction where it's more of a, a braggot, where yep. almost 50% of the sugar comes from yeah. money. But again, I have the opportunity right now while we're small to work with local apiary. I didn't have to do that with this one. This is a local honey, but it's from south of Kalamazoo. But it was just a, a one-off, grabbed enough honey to make the beer. Next time, though, we're going to be figuring out the next version, the higher gravity version for the winter, where you kind of want that heat. I, I love this. I mean, this is, you know, it's summertime here. This is a, a great refreshing uh, beer. 6%, so it's crushable beer. That is not just a product of my desire to make crushable beer, 4%, 5% beers. It's also a function of that's kind of the wheelhouse for this brew house right now. Anything more than that, I do actually have to like force it to make. So that double IPA being one of our mainstays is not actually the easiest beer to brew on this system. Because if you talk to German brew house engineers, they'll talk to you about something called plate loading, which is essentially a function of how many pounds you can put on the scale. And so my mash ton is a certain diameter and the double IPA is just about twice what a normal plate loading should be. It's not an easy beer to brew. Yeah. And because of that, it can cause mechanical issues if I'm not careful. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff where, sure, it's easier to brew a 5% beer. So is that what I'm going to be doing for everything? No, definitely not. So it's been an interesting learning curve. I was really happy with the way that the buckwheat presented itself in that because that the buckwheat is one of those things that you were talking about when you were talking about chemistry. The chemistry of grain is pretty uniformly understood. But when you start getting into these heirloom varieties of grain, like buckwheat, which used to be 90% or something like that of the crop in America, now it's almost gone. And so the science out there is weak on it. You look at the information that you have, it's all from people that are making gluten-free bread now and things like this. So I was able to get enough information that I was ready to say, okay, this has all those chemical precursors that wheat has in it, that that yeast plays with in order to make it a half a Weizen smelling beer. Right, right. So it's a half a Buck Weizen. And it's gluten-free. Who would have thought? Great job on that, Nick. Seriously. And seriously, that the double IPA, even though it sounds like it's a pain to make and, and very challenging, it is a very, very, very good beer. Probably one of my favorite doubles that I've had this summer. I thank you very much for saying that. You're I, welcome. I really am happy with the way that it's turning out now. I've had several consistent batches with it, and that's really where my my commercial brewing experience comes in, is I'm not happy with making a brew pub one-off that I can't recreate. And with the stuff that goes on shelves, all of a sudden you're running into government compliance if you're not making it consistently. So I'm, I'm glad to be here and be the you know, person kind of helming the actual beer part of this ship at Nick's because I'm willing to take the extra steps to make sure that we're making that really consistent product every single time. And it doesn't mean that I'm always going to execute, hey, I'm a person, but the goal in mind is to make the same beer every time with the brands that go out to Meyer. Yeah. I want to be able to send it on a truck to Texas, get it back and have it be the same beer. 
What is your uh, your favorite style of beer personally? My favorite style of beer has changed a lot over the last several years. Right now, I would say I'm really into really straightforward IPAs. Okay. I hated IPAs when I first started drinking. If you asked me 10 years ago what my favorite summer beer was, I'd tell you an Imperial Stout. Like, why are you <laughs> Same asking, here. <laughs> why are you asking me? Like, there's, there's only... Nothing else. Yeah, now I'm I'm kind of coming around to just really loving a good, well-executed IPA. I did have a, an Imperial IPA the other day that was awesome, which was a normal beer, not a gluten-free beer from uh, a brewery here in Michigan. And yeah. uh, I think it was their boss, Tweed. I'm a big fan of wheat beers, and now I can't make them. So now I'm making these buckwheat beers, and yeah. I feel like I made my favorite buckwheat beer this summer. I've never had anybody else's. So my, it's my favorite too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to make my favorite beers. That's what I'm trying to do. What's your least favorite style? Least favorite, man. I can't drink anything that has acetic acid in it. So there are some traditional sours that have a lightly acetic or vinegar. Is that acetic acid? They have a light touch of that in there. And I have reflux and it just sets me off. It doesn't matter how much I like the flavor. That ruins everything for me. It'd be like if you were biting into a peanut butter jelly sandwich and then you found out that the jelly was made of like twigs. Oh, surprise. There's twigs yeah. in your food. That's that's what drinking a sour beer with acetic in it is to me. I do like quick sours and a lot of other sour beers, but I do. I got a pregame with Tums these days. Yeah, my stomach can't take it for a, for a whole couple of jugs. You know, I know you are there in Grand Rapids, you know, there are 40, 50 breweries in that area. Is there anything outside the, let's say the, the, the region that you've always wanted to try, but due to distribution or maybe just seasonal nature, you haven't been able to have ever? First of all, I was the general manager for a homebrew store for a year. And when you're doing that job, a lot of people just bring you presents, which is yeah. very cool. That's a great uh, perk. So I have had fortunate you know, experiences with a lot of beers that I wanted to try that were hyped up to me. And most of them have lived up to it. You know, if you talk about Pacific Northwest, obviously there's the Chico, California area of the world. But as far as like beers that I've always really wanted to try that I've never been able to, there are a few from the Hill Farmstead group that I really wanted to try that I haven't gotten to yet. And I just don't go out that way. What, what would the style be that you'd go for from Hill Farmstead? They've got every style under the sun. So it's just, it's just that it's usually limited to what they've got available. At, there were quite a few beers by uh, a brewery called Duck Rabbit that I yep. really wanted to try. And I recently got some of that. I've never been to Germany and drank an Oktoberfest in Germany. And I'd like to really have some fresh yes. German beers at some point here. So one last fun question for you, Nick. Uh, if you were a beer, what style would you be and why? I think I'd probably be an Imperial Stout. 
I just, over the course of the pandemic, I, I gained enough weight that now I fit the bill for that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I seriously, I've always enjoyed a really good stout. And for me, like drifting back into those styles has really been something I've fallen back in love with lately. And I'm going to have one here on tap in the, in the tap room for the winter time. That's going to be a big winter warmer. You know, it just fits me right now. I wish I were a light beer, but I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> I, I love that, man. So Nick, thanks so much for spending time today with me on the show. You know, when I heard back in May about this gluten-free brewery and because it's close to my family, I thought, well, gosh, you know, that's a segment of the craft beer industry that really been ignored for a long time. It's one of the other reasons I wanted to promote Brewery Nick's because I feel like, you know, as a handcrafted quality product and it's in the Midwest, people need to hear about this because it's, it's good stuff. Congratulations on the launch. Congratulations on some great beer. Uh, it's been great to hear about what you're doing there at Brewery Nicks on the brewing side, as well as just changing the world for beers. Look forward to maybe uh, having a beer with you in the future. Thanks, man. Yeah, let me know when you stop in and we will we'll grab a pint together and chat some more. I really enjoyed it. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you uh, reaching out to us for the podcast. Last call. It's nearly time to wrap things up. But first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm drinking Burn Bright from Patron Saints Brewery in Toledo, Ohio. This is one of the rare beers that they do not use the name of a saint with. It is a collaboration beer with local Toledo Americana band, Chloe and the Steel Strings. One of the neat things about this collaboration is that patron saints have included a QR code for the single Burn Bright from Chloe and the Steel Strings. So I'll try to include that in the episode information when I post it on Instagram. You should check it out. It's not too bad. This is a horchata stout checking in at 8.2% ABV. Without further delay... Well, the frost is on the pumpkin here in the Midwest, and for those of us that like it a little spicy, this seemed like a good choice. So to keep the religious theme, I poured this into a fluted goblet from St. Benedict's Brewery Works in southern Indiana. The thing I like about this particular glass is that their motto is Pray, Work, Brew. So I love that. So for those that may not be familiar with what a horchata is, it is a sweet Mexican drink made by blending white rice and cinnamon sticks in water and letting them soak overnight. After the rice and the cinnamon are discarded, the remaining liquid is then flavored with vanilla, sugar, and ground cinnamon. So when I poured this out into my glass, it has a nice fluffy caramel colored head on it, and it is a pretty dark, really dark brown color. So on the nose, getting a lot of nice cinnamon, uh, notes to it, maybe even a, just a shade of vanilla here. First taste, ooh, that's got a nice spicy kick to it. I really like that a lot. It's it's definitely uh, spice forward, so it's got a very thin uh, mouth feel to it. 
as I said, it's a it's got a it's a very spice forward. So it's got a very spicy profile for sure. A lot of cinnamon there, uh, but I'd be willing to bet that there are some some hot peppers or some chili powder added to this as well. It has a really really nice spicy kick. Certainly, if you uh, if if you've got acid reflux or I just can't handle things that are spicy, this is not the beer for you. I'm going to tell you that right up front. But I could see this, you know, enjoying this with some uh, some nice barbecue in the fall here. Maybe some some nice grilled uh, meat. Uh, certainly, uh, if you were going to go to uh, a tailgate or just sit out in the backyard around a bonfire, this came in a uh, uh, bomber. And so it'd be something certainly you could share with uh, with your friends. Uh, it's a it's a really solid beer. It's got a, just a, a just a really really nice profile to it. So after my first sip, I've taken uh, just a moment and let this sit for a little bit, and it has just a really nice milky aroma on the nose. Just a hint of cinnamon, uh, not overpowering. It's got a nice spicy kick that, uh, I'll be honest, that cinnamon burns all the way down. Uh, you know, I love a beer that uh, that does that. Uh, it's not painful. It just has a nice warming effect to it. So patron saints, kudos on supporting uh, local artists. Chloe and the Steel Strings, I know it's been nine months since your album came out. Uh, congrats on that. And cheers to collaborating with uh, one heck of a brewery. So, so patron saints... I give this one three and a half tasters out of five on the flight board. Cheers! If you've got a beer you'd like me to drink and describe, leave a comment below. If you're a brewer and have one in mind, direct message me on Instagram and let's see what we can do. That's all for this episode of the 5 Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time as I talk about non-alcoholic beers, share another hop hack, and chat with Ben Wade from Albion Malleable Brewing. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5BeerPlan2022, and leave a comment to let me know what your favorite business trip destination is. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail, and stay thirsty, my friends!